Well, good morning. It's so wonderful to be with you. Isn't it good to be together? It's awesome to celebrate Jesus with one another. So a few days ago, uh, after getting home from picking up our boys at daycare, I'm tidying up the house. I'm picking up the house, sort of cleaning things up, uh, as a good husband and father would do, right? And uh, I'm putting some clothes in the hamper. I have a hamper in hand. And unbeknownst to me, right, I had no clue this was happening, but our four-year-old boy, Naz, He's watching my every move. He's tracking my every step. And out of nowhere, as I am opening the basement door to go put a load of clothes in the wash, he pops out of nowhere. Can I? Whoa, Naz, I have two questions for you right now. Number one, are you a ninja? Where did you even come from? I had no idea that you were watching me. And number two, uh, can you what, Naz? And he looks up at me and he says, can I help you do laundry? Guys. This was an amazing moment because ever since they were placed with us five months ago, we've been working so hard with our boys, right, to consider each other, to consider one another, to share, to be kind. And here Naz is asking me to help me do laundry, and I'm floored. I'm thinking we have to take this moment, celebrate him, and praise him. But then my curiosity kicked in. Why do you want to help me do laundry? So I asked him, Naz, why do you want to help me do laundry? And then he looks up at me and he says, because I wanted to go in the basement. Now, friends, what you don't know is that recently, within the past couple months, Vicky and I have been working so hard to turn half of our basement space into a fun play area with our kids. Check it out. We have stacks upon stacks of totes of toys that they don't get to regularly play with because, parent hack, parents, if you're listening, check this out. We rotate through toys upstairs, right? We have downstairs toys and we have upstairs toys. They play for their upstairs toys for a week. Thank Pastor Vicky for that. And then she takes them downstairs and puts them back. So all the toys are always fresh. It's like they're always getting new toys. Cool. So there you go. You can take that and use it if you want to. And then we have a two-person trampoline, right? They can hang, uh, they can hold on to the handlebars and they can jump and, and, and bounce their little brains out and work up all that uh, toddler energy. Then we have a circle swing here. It goes back and forth and it's nice and low, very safe. We have squishy black floor panels just in case they bump their head. It's all safe. And then, thank you, Pastor Antonia, wherever you are, she gave us a uh, digital keyboard. So the boys, they love turning that thing on. When they turn it on, they crank it all the way up, and it makes for very, very loud evenings, so that's great. Uh, we should tape that volume button down so it doesn't happen anymore. But here's what happened. Nas says, I want to help you to do laundry. And then when I asked him why, he reveals to me his underlying heart motivation, because he wants to go into the basement to play he really didn't want to help me do laundry. That was just his ticket into the basement because I guarantee you, if I would have brought him down in that moment and said, help me with laundry, he wouldn't have helped. He probably just would have went over and started swinging. So that's the thing. Sometimes our heart motivations to want to serve others is actually to serve ourselves, right? Side note, if you do happen to see Naz today, he's been in the nursery, this is a second service, so if you do happen to see him today, uh, feel free to wish him a happy birthday because today he is four years old, so happy birthday, Naz, we love you. Here's the deal, as Christ-following adults and teenagers, I think it's very possible, I just want to make this suggestion, that sometimes our heart motivation behind serving God and serving others isn't always selfless. Sometimes I think that we're not always giving out of humility and giving of ourselves for right reasons. 
We all want to make a difference in each other's lives and in the lives around us, right? And we all might enjoy serving. It feels good, but there are some, usually there are some underlying reasons why we actually serve one another. So this morning, what we're going to do is I want to uh, share with you three lessons to help keep your motivation behind serving others and serving God humble and pure. So my hope with, this, with these lessons is that it'll help us evaluate how and why we serve God and serve others. So what we're going to do is we're going to pray, we'll get into our scripture text, and then we'll get into the teaching. Father, I thank you for an opportunity this morning, God, to listen to your word. God, I, I thank you that it is living and it is active, God, and I thank you that your word brings truth and it helps us to bear fruit in our lives, not fruit of ourselves, but your fruit, God. Help us to look this morning to your word and to help us, God, sort of take on your qualities and your nature and why you served us, God. Help us to live that same um, principle out in our lives, God. In Jesus' mighty name we pray and we all said, amen. This morning's text is found in John chapter 13. We're going to be reading verses 2 through 14. It's a little bit of a longer text, and it's going to be from the ESV translation as you follow along. Starting in verse 2. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God, and was going back to God, he rose from supper, and he laid aside his outer garments and taken a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I'm doing you don't understand now, but afterward you will understand. So Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if I don't wash you, you have no share with me. And Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, the, only, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That's why he said, not all of you are clean. And when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. An amazing story, right? The story is found here in the Gospel of John, which we recently just read together in our Read Together version Bible app plan, right? How many of you guys are doing the 90 days through the New Testament? And it is amazing time. Uh, we love reading the Word together, and it's awesome to read each other's interpretations and big takeaways that they get. But here, what we're getting is a glimpse, a very moving glimpse into the heart of Jesus as a servant. Now, let me just take a few minutes here to explain what's going on. So here in this text, what's happening is that it's holiday time for the Jewish people. So the disciples and Jesus, they're gathered together in the upper room of a wealthy person's home. For them to gather in this space and to share a dinner, it has to be pretty large. And what they're doing is that they're sharing the Passover meal. It's called a, called a Seder, right? 
and they're sharing all of this food. Maybe uh, some of you have seen this famous painting by Leonardo da Vinci called The Last Supper, right? And this is what this picture here is portraying. It's uh, portraying this particular scene and story in the Bible. Jesus there in the middle, and they've got the food spread out all over them, all over the table. And just to give you a more sort of like accurate representation of what's happening, I do have another picture for you. I'm not sure where this came from. It might be like a TV show or some sort of film. But here is Jesus um, in the upper room at the Passover meal with his disciples. And this is probably more of what it looked like. They're all sort of crammed in there, but they are in a very intimate setting with Jesus. The disciples here, they're probably eating roasted lamb, bitter greens, and a flatbread called matzah. So they're breaking bread. And the disciples here are spending their time with Jesus in his final at least 24 hours. Because just after this, the next day, Jesus would be suspended on the cross, hanging by nails, breathing his final earthly breaths. But in this moment here, Jesus, he wasn't using this time to give a pep talk to his disciples. He wasn't trying to sort of... uh, uh, um, you know, motivate them in a way to where they would like, you know, go out and rule the world together. But here, what Jesus was doing was sharing this very sacred meal with his disciples as they listened to his final teachings and lessons. And then to accentuate the evening, Jesus would perform an act so countercultural that it would shock his disciples. So Jesus here, he wouldn't use just words to convey his final lessons. He would teach them with a demonstration and allow his disciples to observe it and then receive it and put it into their hearts. And according to tradition, groups, when they would go into a meal setting like this, they would have likely been on the floor and not couches or seats. They would actually be reclined on the floor at that table And in this setting, Jesus would rise from the table. He would remove his outer garments, tie a servant's towel around his waist, and then fill a basin with water and begin to slowly wash his disciples' feet. And his disciples were looking at this. And Jesus was using this as a teaching moment to model in humility what true servanthood looks like. So here we see in this scripture that God, he became human to serve us all, to serve us all. So let's dive into these lessons here this morning. Our first lesson is actually going to come from the person of Judas, Judas Iscariot here, one of the 12 disciples of Jesus. And this lesson is, this lesson is going to serve us sort of like as a warning, to be cautious about what can happen to our hearts. So this first lesson is is serving others to serve yourself. This lesson can act as an indicator that our heart motivation to serve others is ultimately more about serving ourselves. So this lesson I want us to lean into and hear. So let's talk about Judas here for a second. We learn that during supper from the scripture passage that Satan had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot to betray Jesus. But let's talk about what was happening before that. For years, Jesus was pouring his life and ministry into Judas. Who was Judas? Judas Iscariot was one of the 12 disciples. 
He was hand-selected, hand-chosen by Jesus. He was a part of their squad, and they traveled around doing ministry together. And Judas's job description, we find out from Scripture, was that he was to act as a treasurer. He was the money man. He was the accountant. He was the one who oversaw their finances. He had a lot of oversight and responsibility into their group. And his responsibility was to steward their financial resources. What else do we know about Judas? We know that his name is featured over 20 times in Scripture. And most of the time when we see his name, it's listed among the other 11 disciples of Jesus. But what's sort of uh, um, unique about that is when we see his name, it's listed on the bottom of how the writers are writing the names of the disciple. With Peter's name at top. Because what they would do is they would write the disciples' names out and list them according from most important to least important. And I think most of us know how this story ends with Judas. But what we really need to understand the most about Judas is that he had a front row seat to the life and ministry of Jesus. He had a front row seat, a privileged seat to the Son of God in flesh. He had the privilege of being a disciple of Jesus. He walked with Jesus. He healed the bl- watched Jesus heal the blind, the deaf, the mute, the paraplegic, lepers, raised the dead, fed the multitudes, listened to Jesus' parables, lessons, and teachings in the public, in private, in the countryside, in the synagogues, and temple. He did life with Jesus, spent every waking moment with him, And Judas did this willingly. Judas chose this life of a disciple, choosing to leave behind the ways of the world, so we think. And he chose the life of servanthood and to serve others with Jesus. You see, when we choose to walk with Jesus, you choose to no longer live for yourself, but to live for Jesus and for others. You die to your selfish ways, right? And instead, you live for Jesus and live for others. And when we look closely at the life of Judas and what's going on in his heart, We see that he was really serving others to serve himself. We see that his heart wanted treasure and not to treasure Jesus. So what did he do? What did he do? He sold Christ out for 30 pieces of silver. 30 pieces of silver. Today for us, in that time, it would have been only a few hundred dollars. Judas sold out Jesus for a few hundred measly dollars. And the frightening reality of this whole thing is that his life of service to others was for his short and very temporary personal gain. We're all susceptible to this. Our hearts can easily fall prey to serving others because we want to benefit from it. But it doesn't need to be that way. And I have good news to share with you. We can serve others. We can actually serve others with a pure heart. We can. Our motivation can be pure. Because when we treasure Jesus most, when it's Jesus we treasure most, our hearts are always ready to serve. But how do we really know if our hearts are ready to serve? How do we know that they're in the correct position? I just want to offer up two very simple, very practical questions uh, to ask yourself the next time you have an opportunity to serve someone, to bless somebody. Here's the first question. Am I doing this so I can get something in return? Maybe it's money. Maybe somebody's going to pay you something. Maybe it's a pat on the back. Maybe you want some validation, right? 
Or maybe it's a good meal. I am guilty of that. I will do literally anything for a good meal. Maybe it's recognition that you want to do this for. Maybe a shout out on social media. Maybe it's a return favor. Maybe you want to do, maybe you want to serve somebody because it's like an IOU. Hey, bro, I got you this time, but maybe you'll get me back next time. Maybe it's that sort of exchange. Number two, this is very easy. Or am I doing this to bless God and serve others without reward because this is what God would want of my life? that I serve without an expectation, getting something back. You know, God desires that we serve and, and give selflessly and without expectation of receiving something back. And one of our values here at Trinity is service. We meet needs when we see needs. And so, friends, this morning, I just want to challenge us and encourage us to live this out together. When we see needs, let's meet needs without ulterior motives, right? Because that is how we invest into the kingdom of God, into the kingdom of God here on earth. So we learn from Judas not to serve others in order to serve ourselves. And then here comes lesson two. Pretty similar. Lesson two comes from Peter, and it's serving others to prove yourself. Serving others to prove yourself. In verses six through ten, we see this dialogue exchange between Jesus and Peter, and it reveals something very intriguing about the heart of Peter. Let's read it again. It says, he, Jesus, came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, what I'm doing you don't understand now, but afterward you will understand. So Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if I don't wash you, you have no share with me. So Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. So Jesus explains here to Peter that he has to wash his feet. So what does Peter do? He obliges. But then Peter requests that not just his feet be washed, but his hands and head also. This is classic Peter, right? This is classic Peter. At first, he doesn't want his Savior to wash his feet because it was a servant's job. But once Jesus insists that he do, Peter swings so far to the other side as possible, and then he asks Jesus for more than was originally offered to him. You know, the scene here, it kind of reminds me of Olive Garden. How many of you guys like Olive Garden? I know that it's probably a lot of you. We love our pasta here in the Northeast. And this reminds me of like the wait staff at Olive Garden, right? When you get your big old bowl of pasta, they come over at the beginning of when you've got that fresh bowl of pasta and they ask you for what? Would you like cheese? Exactly, that's right. And so you say, of course, because Parmesan cheese is delicious. And so they sit there and they crank that grater, right? And it's all sort of like raining down your pasta. It's this glorious scene. And they're looking at you and they're sort of like waiting for you to say, yeah, I'm done. And then you're like, nah, fam, like I need it all. <laughs> this is Peter in this scene. He doesn't say, I just want a little bit, but I want the whole thing, Jesus, at Jesus' insistence. Let's talk here more about Peter. Peter was a disciple of Jesus, we know that. And in Matthew 16, he's referred to as the rock on which Jesus would what? Build his church, right? Peter, the same guy who would shortly after this foot washing uh, scene he would go on to deny Jesus, not what? Not once and not twice, but three 
times. Peter is known, right, in the Bible for his faith. He's known for his leadership, but he was also notoriously known for being impulsive, for being impatient, a chronic foot-in-the-mouth guy. And most of the guys here say, amen, I have been there. I have shoved my foot in my mouth a couple times. Some of our, our younger generation, you might call Peter extra. Peter was extra. Peter served alongside the other 11 disciples. He led with Jesus. He loved others. He healed others. And he served others wholeheartedly and with genuine compassion. And then in this scene here, we see Jesus with a towel around his waist. And he's going around from disciple to disciple, washing their feet. And then he comes to Peter. And it's here Peter passionately tells Jesus that he would never wash his feet. But then at Jesus' insistence, Peter doesn't turn it up a notch or two. He cranks it all the way to 10 and fires right back at Jesus, essentially saying, wash all of me. Now, the scriptures don't mention any other disciple responding this way. It's only Peter. Now, quickly again, let's remember who Peter was, the leader behind Jesus. The disciple mentioned first among the lists recorded in the Bible of the disciples. And Peter had a reputation to uphold. He was the rock. He's the one Jesus spent the most time with, the one always behind, uh, excuse me, beside Jesus in the most intimate of healing moments. And yet it seems here that Peter felt he needed to prove his worth. Now it's my opinion here, and I'm just speculating, but I think Peter wanted to prove his zeal for Jesus in front of the other disciples. I think he wanted to make an outward showing to the disciples that he was more than all in for Jesus. And here's the deal. The lesson here, I think, for us is that even though we seem to be living for Jesus on the outside and serving others and participating in ministry and volunteering for things, I think sometimes we can do this with a heart motivation to prove ourselves. And we see here that it's pride at work in the heart of Peter. And the same lesson can apply to our lives. We can spend our lives claiming to love Jesus and claiming to live on mission and serving others, but doing so all in an effort to prove ourselves. In these moments, and it's not about Jesus, it's about us. And furthermore, living a life of service to others just to prove yourself, it'll exhaust you, it'll deplete you, and then it'll eventually crush your spirit. And this is the poison of pride. It can take something so noble, something so good, like serving others and serving God, and then it can contort it and twist it and make it all about us. So where do we go from here? What's the antidote of pride that stands in the way with serving with a pure heart? The antidote of pride is to exercise humility. When we exercise humility, the desire to prove ourselves is abandoned, tossed to the wayside, and the mission to serve is reclaimed. When we realize that our Heavenly Father wrapped himself in flesh and washed the feet of unrighteous sinners, even those who would go on to betray him, within the next hour, it frees us from this desire, this poison of pride to prove ourselves. So, lesson one was serving others to serve ourselves. Lesson two was serving others to prove ourselves. And here's where we, where we make a really nice turn. 
Lesson three comes from Jesus. Serving others by giving yourself. So unlike the first two lessons, which act more like indicators of incorrect heart motivations behind serving others, this lesson comes straight from Jesus as we see him here taking on the role of a lowly servant. The love in Jesus' heart for his disciples, it was, it was pure. It was evident as he gives of himself in service to his disciples here. He models what true servanthood looks like. It's humble, it's pure, and it's this unconditional act of selfless love. As we witness him here, wash the feet of his disciples. Now, this is just a quick little PSA for you guys. I know that the weather has been warmer. It was a really nice taste of spring and summer this, in the middle of this past week, right? That was awesome. We got up to like 70 degrees. But this is just my little PSA for you. Uh, our, our feet haven't seen the light of day probably in a while. So as we get ready for spring and summer here, you might need to spend a little bit of TLC on those feet of yours. Okay, moving back to the program here. So the deal is with foot washing in this culture, right? It was very deep. This meant a lot to them. And what was happening here is that the disciples, they didn't want to necessarily wash feet because this job was reserved for one particular role, one particular person, and that was a servant in this culture. A master would never do this job. In this time and in this day and age back then, in this culture, you wouldn't pick a school district. What you would do is you would pick a teacher. You would pick a rabbi or a master, and you would become an apprentice underneath them, and then they would teach you, and you would spend your life with them as they teach you the ways, teach you the trade. And so the disciples obviously considered Jesus the master, right? But this job was a foot washing was only reserved for a slave, a servant. So for the disciples to see Jesus with a servant's towel, it didn't make any sense to them. This was his, their teacher and their master, and typically, upon entering a dinner at someone's home, a feast like this, it was the servant's job to do the foot washing ceremony. But if a servant wasn't available, tradition held that the people that would do it would be the first couple guests to arrive in the home. But then let's dig a little bit deeper. In the Gospel of Luke, in his account, we read that an argument happens between the disciples right before they enter into that upper room for the Passover feast. And they're arguing, they're having this, this discussion about who's the greatest in their group. And it's clear that the disciples, they wanted to be greatest because they wanted to sit on the throne next to Jesus because they thought Jesus was going to be a military ruler and they wanted to rule the area with Jesus. The disciples, they wanted power, they wanted position, but they didn't want to serve. So what does Jesus do in this moment? He does what the disciples don't want to do. They're not willing to wash feet. So Jesus here, he rolls up his sleeves as a true servant leader. And by doing this, Jesus is saying to his disciples, if I picked up the towel and I became a servant by washing your feet, you should wash one another's feet. Not only is what Jesus is doing here in this scene countercultural, but it's counter-religious because religion would say people serve God. God would never serve people. But not our God. Not our God. God became man in the form of Jesus. And the Bible says that he is served by angels who serve him 
day and night, but the divine left behind his heavenly throne and came to earth to serve. And he's not serving by doing the Passover dishes. He's not putting away leftovers from that feast or waiting the table. No, he did something far even more humble. He served by washing feet. In that time, dirt roads and Roman roads, they were all over the land. And obviously they didn't have cars. So they traveled by foot and by animals. So you can imagine that there was dirt and animal excrement all over the place. And by the end of the day of walking in your sandals and walking on those roads, your feet would be covered in dirt, layers of it, dung and feces everywhere. Jesus came from heaven to earth, and he went from his seat at the table even further to the floor to serve. He was positioned at the highest seat in glory, and then he came down to the floor to serve, to scrape the dirt, and dung off the people who he created to worship him. He washed the feet of sinners, of his disciples, and even the feet of the one who would go on to betray him to his death. Why did he do this? Why did Jesus do this? Why would the Son of God in flesh do something like this? One word, love. God became human to serve and to give of all of himself out of love. The servant's heart is a heart of love, capital S, servant. You serve by setting aside yourself and giving to those around you. Now, this, this verse, it isn't in our scripture passage, but it comes at the end of this chapter that we read. And his verse is 34 and 35, and, and Jesus goes on to say in this long teaching, he says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Jesus is saying here that if you want to serve, you must love and give all of yourself to others. And it's because true service is centered on others, not ourselves. And Jesus exemplified this. And as we start to close this morning, I'd like us to look at how God served us through the work of his son here in this very story. In that upper room, the disciples with Jesus and at this feast, it's probably dim. And there was probably a, a palpable tension mixed with some uncomfortable silence. And it's here that Jesus would rise from the Passover supper just like he rose to leave his father's side. And then he lays his outer garments aside just like he lays his divinity aside to become one of us. And then he takes a towel and wraps his waist in servanthood just as he wrapped himself in the image of man. He then 
pours water into a basin to wash the feet of the disciples just as he was about to pour out his blood. To wash away humanity's sin. And this scene here, it perfectly sums up why Jesus became one of us. It perfectly explains it. He came to serve us all. So my challenge here for this morning as we're starting to wrap up is to remember this. That in Christ, we're called to serve and we're called to love the people that God has sent to us. And we're thankful for that. But to also to free us from self-serving and self-proving ways. Now leave us with this question as we get ready here to respond in song. Friends, what is your motivation to serve? Is it to prove yourself? Is it to serve yourself? Or is it to serve others? Please stand as we get ready to sing together.